Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Uh, hey, last week was Vision Sunday, and if by chance you missed it, uh, you can go to our podcast, either on Spotify, iTunes, or even from our website, and I would love for everybody to, to listen to the, the message from last week, listen to some of the things that we laid out for what we believe God is calling us to as a church in 2020, and as we talked about last week, some of it makes me nervous, but that's a good thing because then we know God's going to have to come through, And because uh, if you can control it and if you can make it all happen yourself, there's a good chance you don't need faith to make that happen. And so just go ahead and check that out if you will. Today we're starting a brand new series. Can somebody say about that life? We're going to be talking about this for a while. We want to be about that life and not just any life, but the life of a Jesus follower. And we're going to kind of put some bullseyes and some targets out there that really help refocus and recenter what the Word of God says about really being a Jesus follower. Uh, the word that gets used a lot is actually the word Christian. And so we, we, it's not that we don't use that word, but I believe, and my experience has been since we have started Convo Church here in the Reno area, is that you can go up to somebody and say, I'm a Christian, and you can go to 100 people, and 100 different people will have 100 different understandings of what they think you mean by the word Christian. And so it's a little bit easier for me to go up and say, hey, I'm a Jesus follower, because at least it paints a little bit more of a specific picture of what uh, we are about. And so I think if we are going to paint this picture of being Jesus followers, and for individuals, and this, we, this is just the type of church that we are, that are here that aren't even sure about that yet, you're not sure if you believe the Jesus stuff yet, hopefully we can paint a picture for you as well to help you understand at least what that means when you hear people talk about it. We don't wanna have our ideas about what it means to be a Jesus follower. We wanna know God's ideas about what it means to be a Jesus follower. And so that's really gonna be the heart of this season and of this series, and that's the life that I want us to be about. Somebody say amen. 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 All right, turn with me if you will. We always start off by going to the Bible. We're going to go to the book of Luke. And so Luke is in the, the New Testament. If you're new to the Bible, it's broken up into two main sections. There's actually 66 books within the Bible. The New Testament, there are this is the last 27 books of the Bible. And so the New Testament starts off with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to go to Luke, and I'm going to read, God bless you, wherever that came from. There's the Holy Spirit. Got allergies up in here. Luke chapter 5. And we're going to read a few verses to kind of kick things off here. What's happening, the context when we read in Luke chapter 5, is that Jesus is really on the very, very front end of establishing his earthly ministry. What we see happening here in chapter 5 is we see some of the very first disciples that Jesus called to follow him. And so that's kind of where we pick up here in chapter 5, verse 1, which is the very beginning of that chapter. It says, one day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. 
Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking to Simon, he said, Now go out where the water is deep and let down your nets to catch some fish. He replied, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. Because every, every professional in your trade, you love it when someone who doesn't know your trade comes in and tells you what you should do in your trade. We got a carpenter turned rabbi telling these professional fishermen what they should or shouldn't be doing. And it says, at this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought the partners out of their boats, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. That's a good problem to have if you're a fisherman, unless the boat actually sinks. Anyway, but when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am a sinful man. Anybody been, been there before? For he was awestruck by the number of fish that he had caught as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, sons of Zebedee, what a name, were also amazed. And then Jesus replied to Simon, he said, don't be afraid, from now on you'll be fishing for people. In verse 11, here's the, fo the focal point. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Father, we pray that in the moments that we have together this morning that you would uh, just open up our hearts and ears. God, we wanna hear what you're saying. We don't want to be hard-hearted. We don't want to think that we, we already know it, and we don't want to think that this isn't for me. God, help us to, to be in a place to receive from you today. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in the life of every single person. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. 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 So I, I, me personally, I want to be about that life. I want our church to grow and learn more and more about what it means to be all about that life. But for that to happen, it is crucial for us to know the target that we are aiming at when it comes to what that life really is. So a quick story, uh, just to kind of paint the picture. I, I found this story, I thought it was a really good analogy to kind of get into the thing. So there's this guy, he was an, he's, a, he's an Olympian, now retired, uh, but his name is Matt Emmons, and he's probably the most decorated Olympic rifle shooter, a.k.a. sniper uh, in American history. Let's just be, they're snipers, let's just be real like competing in the Olympics, they're shooting targets, and they're good at it. Anyway, so Matt was in the 2004 Olympics, and so here's the scenario with Matt. He was literally one shot away from another gold medal, and he was actually so far ahead, the other competitors, that all he literally had to do was hit the target anywhere, and he would have had a shoe in for the gold medal. That's how far ahead he was. So he gets to his line, he gets lined up, he gets sighted in, he exhales that final breath, pulls the trigger, and he's like, hey, game over. I did my thing. And he looks up on the monitor to see his target, only to realize that there's no mark on his target whatsoever. And he's completely confused because he had it zeroed in. He knew what he was doing. He saw the target. He pulled the trigger, yet there was nothing on his screen. And so he looked to the judges to say, hey, is there a problem with the screen? Do you have the camera on the wrong target? At that point, the judge looks at the competitor's target next to him and finds two holes. He hit the target, but he was aiming at the wrong one. And because of that, he dropped completely out of the contention. He didn't get any medal for that particular event at all. And it's a big lesson to learn from there, which is just because you have a target in front of you doesn't mean that you're shooting at the right target. It's so important, it's so important when we're talking about the context of what it means 
to live the life of a Jesus follower that we are aiming at the right target. And I hope as we go through this today, I really do hope that we will be able to get our eyes set not on what we've just assumed and always known, what we have tried to make it be because we didn't like how we saw somebody else do it. And so we end up, uh, whether intentionally or accidentally, creating this alternate reality of what we think it means. We need to get out of this, this perpetual cycle in our culture of allowing ourselves to be the ones that identify and define and redefine as we see fit. There is a standard. There is a foundation, and that's where we're trying to bring things back to today. So, so for Convo Church, our mission is we exist to lead all people to become passionate Jesus followers. That's, that's what we want to accomplish. That's why we exist. That's why we do what we do. That's why we do church. That's why we do community. That's why we do crew. Crew is our small groups. That's why we, we don't just want you to show up. We want you to be engaged and involved because when you become involved in what God is doing, it helps to partner your heart and your soul and your spirit with what God is doing as well. It creates growth. But Convo, this is one thing I love about our church and it happens every single week. This is not just a place where the, the, the righteous scholars come to hang out. And uh, which you're, if you're one of those, we love you and you're welcome. We need you. But this is a place for regular people that still don't know if they got it all figured out yet or not. We're not even sure if this Jesus thing is real. I'm not sure. I'm just going to believe what you say because you got a microphone. Guess what? You're welcome too because you don't have to believe to belong. You still need to be in an environment and find people that you can hang out with and surround yourself with who are going to be a positive uh, uh, influence on your life and inspire purpose in you and build, build faith inside of you, encourage life. We, we're all surrounded with enough of the opposite stuff, right? People that are going to discourage you, judge you, tell you what you're doing wrong, tell you how you've messed up. I don't need any more of that in my life. You probably don't either. That's a great place for somebody to say amen. Anyway, okay, I'm working with you this morning. But listen, no matter where you find yourself, it's really important for us to get to the root of what it means to be a Jesus follower. Okay, so we're talking about that target, right? Having the right target to aim at. Right now, if we were to observe the, to t today's church culture, not even in just in America, but even around the world, we see two specific targets that really get pinpointed when people try to define and identify what a Jesus follower looks like. So here's one of the ways that it gets defined uh, by what a person does, by, by your actions. That's how we define a Jesus follower. And this basically means conformity to a system or a pattern or behavior. The focus is on action. We measure faithfulness with this question, am I doing the right things? And it becomes all about what we're doing. And so this is what that type of Jesus follower would look like. We measure it based on, do they go to church? Do they read their Bible? Do you pray? Do you give tithes and offerings? Do you witness? Do you go on mission trips? Are you a good husband, a good father, a good mom, a good friend, a good sister, a sibling? It's all about what we do. And a lot of people measure a Jesus follower based on what they do. Here's the other wrong target that sometimes we aim at. We define it by what a person knows, knowledge. So learning a certain set of principles or beliefs, the focus is on doctrine. And don't get me wrong, all these things are important, but it's important to have the right, to the right target and the right focus. It says we measure faithfulness with this question, can you answer all the questions correctly? And typically this tends, uh, tends to look like a Jesus follower that has 
completed some Bible classes and can, can debate theology, can argue with people that, that disagree with you, and they have, they have the right Bible verse for the right answer, right? They have the, the situation that you're going through. Hey, I got a Bible verse for that. You know, just get it out of the holster real quick. So these are two targets, but these are the wrong targets. A Jesus follower isn't just defined by what somebody does. It's not defined just by what somebody knows. These both fall so short of the picture that gets painted in the Gospels of the life that Jesus lived. So check this out. If you were to, if you were to look at all of the, the stories throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, relation that gets broken down into three categories with Jesus. And we, we, we complicate things. Anybody here know somebody who likes to complicate things? They take the easiest thing possible and they turn one step into 50, right? And so Paul, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament actually talks about this. And, uh, and he talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. He says, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Other translations say the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. It was never meant to be complicated. It was never meant to be rocket science to follow Jesus. No one ever said, Jesus never said, follow me and get your Bible degree and then you will be able to follow me. But sometimes we put that expectation on ourselves or maybe other people, right? Well, if you can do X, Y, and Z and you know all the right words to say and you know the right clothes to wear and you know the right times to lift your hands and worship and clap and dance or if you know when to say amen or when you know how to say praise the Lord, brother, everything's fantastic when your life is falling apart, then you know how to walk the walk. But that's not what we're going after and that's not what Jesus is going after either. Those three different uh, relationships and categories that all the gospels can be put into are these. Jesus and his relationship with the Father. Jesus and his relationship with the disciples, and Jesus and his relationship with the world, those who don't know God. Literally, everything that you read throughout the Gospels can fall into one of those three categories. Now, understanding this, we need to understand Jesus is no longer here on earth. He went to the cross, he died, he rose again, he ascended back to heaven, where it says that he is now praying for you. It's good to have people praying for you, amen? How much better to have Jesus himself praying for you? That's a good prayer partner, I'm just gonna say. It's not too shabby. Well, I got some people praying for me. You got Jesus praying for you. You're going to be okay. But this is one of the things that we need to realize. If Jesus is no longer in the flesh here, where is he? Man, somebody just getting a gold sticker. They're getting the right question. No, he, if you have accepted Christ into your life, then he's in you. He's in me. And why is he inside of you and inside of me? So that his life, what he started on earth, can continue. He's not trying, all right, well, let me, I, I gotta read this because if I don't read this, I'm afraid I'm gonna botch it. It's such an important statement. Listen to this. The goal of the Christian life, the goal of a Jesus follower is not for you to live for him. Kind of have to let that sink in a little bit because I, did, I didn't grow up thinking that. I was like, I just got, I want to live for him. Ah, go to youth camp, get fired up. Ah, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm just going to live for him. Woo! You know, <laughs> literally just like that. <laughs> but the goal is for me to allow him to live his life in and through me. There's a difference. You're like, well, you're just switching up a couple of words to make it sound clever. No, it's a huge difference. Because you living for him 
is you doing. It's based on what you do and it's based on what you know. But God is not looking for a religion. Religion is all based on the things that people have made, the things that they know, and the things that they can do. And that's not the measure of a Jesus follower. As a matter of fact, the people that Jesus pulled to himself were typically the ones who were the worst at knowing and doing. Because he was constantly telling his disciples, man, don't do that. So they were doing, they were just doing the wrong things. No, Jesus is looking for a relationship. So, okay, so we're talking about, about that life, being a Jesus follower. Listen, you need to understand that the life of a Jesus follower is all about relationship. It's all about relationship. Jesus' relationship with the Father, his relationship with the disciples, his relationship with the world and those who don't yet know God. It's all about relationship. So these relationships are the key in defining the target that we should be aiming at when we're all about that life. So today we're going to talk about the first relationship, and this is actually the most important one because if you miss this, you miss everything else. So you came on a good week. The rest can catch it on a podcast. But this is what we're talking about today. Following Jesus is about relationship with God. I know, you just got your mind blown, didn't you? You're like, wow, I've never heard that before. That's such intense revelation. (laughs) I don't know if I can handle it. No, but listen, it's so foundational, but it's so important. Like if we don't get this part right, nothing else is gonna stack up. Because if you make uh, being all about God only about your relationships with your friends, but your relationship with your friends and your community isn't built on a relationship with God, then it's gonna fall short. It's going to take you in a different direction. If you make it all about the relationship that you have with the world and you're trying to help people, you're trying to save people, you're getting out where everybody else is, you're, you're going to the brokenness, you're trying to make a difference, but, but it's not founded initially on your relationship with God, then let me tell you something. The strongest person on earth doesn't have the stamina and the strength to withstand that culture. You will not be the one that pulls them out. You will be the one who gets pulled in. But when your relationship is founded first on a relationship with God, then you begin to build on that foundation. From there, your relationships with other people, friends, community begins to develop on that foundation. And then from there, your ability to go out and impact the world around us with those that are hurting and broken and struggling, don't know God, don't have answers, you will be on a firm foundation that will allow you to stand strong when God is using you in dark places. It's so important. It all starts with this right here. So let me give you this passage in the book of John, chapter 17, verse 3. It says, and this is, this is Jesus talking, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. To know. Did you catch that? Listen listen to this. Jesus is defining eternal life here. Relationship with God is eternal life, and it's the life we can live for eternity. God's goal is not just to get you to heaven. He's not just trying to get you to cross to the other side. He wants relationship with you right now. Eternity starts the moment that you recognize who God is and accept that revelation into your life. You begin to live an eternal reality that doesn't have to wait until this life is over. 
It can start when you're still living on this world. Listen, there's a reason why when you said yes to Jesus, for those of you who have, that you didn't get like Star Trek beamed up in that moment. Some of us wish we had. And I can, I can buy that. Be like, yeah, that would have been great. But God says, no, I've got something for you to do. Now that you know who I am, and now that you have a relationship with me, now we can work together. Now you can become a part of the greater plan of bringing the love and the grace of God to the world around us. But it starts with a relationship with God. Now, the, the key here is this word know, not, not N-O, but K-N-O-W, to know. Now, you can, you can uh, I, I know who LeBron James is. I know his name, and I know him very superficially. We have yet to hang out and have coffee and play ball together. <laughs> Bucket list. LBJ, if you're listening to this podcast, my phone number is, no, I'm just, <laughs> just playing. You can know somebody by misinformation, how others want you to know someone. Good example of this, just, <laughs> just watch the news. If you ever want to not know who somebody is, listen to the news and let them tell you about somebody, and you're like, oh, that's probably not how they are. We get to know people by misinformation. You can know somebody by acquaintance. Somebody that you work with, somebody that you, you know, interact with in some very superficial levels. You can know someone by friendship. Some of you in here, you know each other, but you only know each other here. And you got a friendship because we go to the same church, we, we hang out here. But you're not necessarily building deep, intimate friendship yet outside of here. Uh, and then you can know someone through a deep friendship, years of, of, of doing life together. But, but all of those knowing is not what God is talking about. God is talking about knowing him in a deep intimate relationship, a deep intimate friendship. And we're not talking about uh, a sexual relationship. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, sex does not mean intimacy. Uh, our world tends to think the different. Uh, they think that sex is the beginning of intimacy. It's, it's actually not. Uh, sex was something, this is not what we were meant to talk about today. This is why the kids are upstairs. <laughs> sex is not intimacy by itself. Sex is not testing the waters to see if somebody is compatible. Sex was actually meant to be something that God used within the context of marriage to bring a man and a woman together to create a bond that would last forever. But the reality is God is looking for an, an intimate, deep friendship where he knows you and you are constantly getting to know him. Not just know about him, not just know misinformation about God, not just be acquainted with God, not just calling 911 prayers when you need something from God, but the type of relationship where you are knowing him intimately and he knows you. God kind of has an unfair advantage there because he, he, he knows you. <laughs> he knows everything. You're like, oh dear, oh dear Lord. Yep, he knows everything, but that's okay. Obviously, he still loves you. He still wants to hang out with you. He still wants a deep friendship with you. But it starts with knowing who God is. And let me tell you something. On this side of eternity, we're always going to be on the learning curve of that side. That's okay. You're never going to get to a point where you are, air quotes, fully enlightened about who God is and have attained everything that you need to attain about a relationship with God. No, it is a beautiful, amazing journey of discovery and going to deeper levels of knowing who God is and deeper revelation of who he is and how much he loves you and, and the plans that he has for you, which are continually unfolding throughout your life. We have to kind of, for those of you that do consider yourselves to be Jesus followers already, we gotta be careful that we don't relegate this thing with God to to a, to a fire insurance, heaven and hell situation. Well, I just got to, man, I just want to make sure, you know, 
What are you concerned about? Well, I mean, am I going to heaven? Am I going to hell? Like, what's the deal? Am I good? Are we good? Okay, if we're, if we're good, then I'm good. And so I'm going to go do my thing, live my life, as long as on the other side of this thing, we got this worked out. But too often, Jesus' followers, that's the target that we're aiming at. My goal in my relationship with God is to just get to heaven because that's what it's all about. No, that's not what it's all about. It's a beautiful outcome. It's a beautiful ending to a new beginning, but that's not what it's all about. God is looking for us to have relationship with him so that as a Jesus follower, his life can begin to flow through us. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. We say that probably every week. And, uh, and this is where so many people, and we, we substitute religion for what the relationship with God is supposed to be. I'm Catholic, I'm Mormon, I'm Muslim, I'm Jehovah's Witness, I'm Buddhist, I'm a spiritualist, I'm a universalist, I'm New Age, I'm this, I'm that. I'm Christian, and we can't even define that. We're not sure what that is, but that's what I was told I am. That's the house I was raised in, that's the title, that's the stigma that I put upon myself. Even when most of the time, often people don't even understand what that bullseye looks like. And we, we say we're this, but we're actually doing this. Or, or we, we're trying to accomplish this, but we're pointing over here. And we begin to miss the target and we begin to miss the mark. All these religions have come from people missing the point of relationship and building their own broken and limited bridges to hopefully get to God. So here's the major problem. We don't have, no human has the ability to build a bridge to get to God. Because we're filled with sin. We're filled with brokenness, then we need God. So, so what religion does is religion says, do your best, hope for the best, and we'll see how this works out. But what we have to understand about Christianity is it is the complete opposite. You can't do it, and there's nothing that you can do to attain it. God knows that, so he did it for you. He built a bridge from his side of eternity to come into your world, and that bridge was built on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. There is a giant chasm because of the sin that is alive in our world, and let's personalize it, that is alive inside of us, that creates distance between us and pure intimate relationship with God, that you and I don't have the ability to cross that. And when Jesus came, when the Son of God, God in the flesh, when he came to this world, his single mission was to be the bridge between that gap that gave us the ability through forgiveness and through receiving salvation because of what Jesus did so that we can get and receive who God is and get to where he's taking us. It's only by the grace of God that we do that. And so listen, there's no religion on the face of the planet, including Christianity that doesn't actually resemble what it's supposed to be, that can get you there. It's only by the grace of God that he brings us to a place where we could never get on our own. A couple of final thoughts here, and I hope this isn't too cerebral today, but it's so important for us to paint this picture and to get this foundation right. We need to understand that religion has become the enemy's cheap counterfeit for God's provision in Christ. God doesn't want you to have a system. He wants you to have a savior. That's a huge difference because a system says I can do and achieve. A system says I can know with knowledge and therefore I can become. But a savior says, you're dying and I'm here to help you. A savior says, you're failing, but that's okay. I'm coming to rescue you. The savior that we have in Jesus Christ 
is a savior that comes not to just pull us out of the water, but to save us and to forgive us and to heal us and redeem us and turn everything upside down, to give us a hope and to give us a future, to give us a calling, to give our life purpose, to give our relationships a new day, to give us opportunities to do and to be what we never could on our own. This is the beauty of Jesus Christ and the power of the relationship that God desires to have with you and me today. I think if you, if you look at, you know, again, those wrong targets of following Jesus, um, let's, let's look at like a marriage relationship. Let's say you got a, you got a husband and a wife and, and uh, well, okay, well, what, what defines this? Well, we, uh, we, we, we're buying a house together. We're, uh, we're, we're opening a joint bank account. Uh, we're gonna have children. We're gonna eat meals together consistently. Uh, we're planning retirement. Like that defines what being married is. No, that's ridiculous. It, marriage is a love relationship. It's a love relationship. It's not all those other things apart from a love relationship would be incredibly weird, and it wouldn't make any sense. Like, like you're, you don't love each other. Why are you? Why do you have a joint bank account? Why are you doing all these things? It, it doesn't make sense. So let's flip that over even into the Jesus following world. What it means to be a Christian. If we define it by just saying, well, you know, just, uh, you know, just reading my Bible, man. Just uh, praying, uh, going to church every now and then, giving, being a good person, man. Helping old ladies across the streets, what it's all about. <laughs> no, that's weird. Like, it's, by itself, if it's not connected to something where there is a deep love relationship, those things are weird. But Christianity is a love relationship between you and God. And guess what? When that love relationship exists, all those other things happen. They don't happen because you're trying to attain a relationship. They're happening because you have a relationship and it is producing something through you that is the product and the fruit of that love relationship. So this is why we say you should go to church, you should be praying, you should be reading your Bible, but it's not because you are doing something to earn a status in a relationship, it's because you already have a relationship and these things are being done to deepen that relationship. I didn't stop dating my wife because we got married. Wives, that's a great spot for an amen, a hallelujah, an elbow into the kidney of your husband. Men, we don't stop dating our wives because we got married. <laughs> trying to help y'all as much as possible. Some of y'all still don't even know that we already missed Valentine's Day, okay? So you need to just kind of get on the ball. You're like, oh no. <laughs> that was, yeah, you missed it. No, we, I continue to date my wife because I have a love relationship with her. I continue to figure out ways, sometimes not as much as I should. Oh, she just made a noise. <laughs> to deepen that love relationship and not take for granted what is there. Same way with the relationship with God. God does want you to do all those things. He does want you to know so much of those things, but not so that you will impress him enough to where he's like, okay, all right, I'll give you a shot. Come on, let's try this thing. Let's try a relationship, see how it works out. No, all those things come from the love relationship that we have with God. It becomes an overflow. So here's the key word. Here's the key word that, that I want you all to tie into for today. And it comes from John chapter 15, uh, verse 4 and 5. I'm going to read that to you in a second. But the word here is remain. It's such a key word to a relationship with God. It's not about doing. It's not about knowing. It's about remaining. 
God has done literally everything possible so that we can remain with him and so that he can continue to remain with us. God's never gonna reject us, but he also can never force us to be in relationship with him. God's never gonna say, well, you know, I'm God, so I'm gonna kind of like make this happen. Uh, I'm gonna control you now. You now have no freedom and uh, you are my robot. And that's how this relationship is gonna work. Now, sometimes, I'm not gonna lie, sometimes we wish it was like that, right? God, why couldn't you just, you know, just like, just make me turn into a robot and serve you with all of my life, you know? But it does, what kind of relationship would that be? You know what that's called? That's called slavery. And we don't want that and God doesn't want that. God wants a willful cho uh, choice of you desiring him as much, even if that's possible, as he desires you so that we can go to places where before it was completely impossible. God's looking for a relationship. Now check this out. These are the words of Jesus as well in John chapter 15. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. All the efforts, all the, all the, the willpower, all the, the trying as hard as we can to get to God, to know God, we, we're trying to do, we're trying to do, we're trying to know, we're trying to learn, it's, it's head knowledge, it's book knowledge. When all Jesus wants is for you to just pull up a chair and just hang out. I've learned over the last almost 20 years of being married that sometimes my wife is not interested in what I have to say. <laughs> or more specifically in, in my, my wisdom to fix what seems needs to be fixing. You know, babe, this is happening, this is how I feel. Well, you know what you should do? Let me tell you what you should do about that. She's like, you know, I don't, I don't actually wanna know how to fix it, I just want you to be here. I'm almost there. Give me another 20 years. I think I got it covered. But it's, it's almost a beautiful, that's why marriage is such a beautiful picture of the relationship with God. Because it's not about what you know. It's not about what you do. It's just about being there. Sometimes the most powerful thing you can do to strengthen your relationship with God is just showing up. Just being in the room. You know, some of y'all didn't want to be here today. I don't take it personal. You woke up this morning and you looked at the clock and you're like, oh, man, it's another hour would be fantastic. I'm not gonna lie, I thought that too this morning at 5.15, another hour. You know, another team, well, the team will take care of it. The team will get it, go. no, another hour, but, but you're here. And maybe it was everything in you to get here but you made it here, you're in the room. And God's not, God doesn't have that checklist that says, well, okay, they showed up, all right, fine, I'll check that, but there's 12 more boxes, I'm gonna see if they check. Did they worship? Was it heartfelt? <laughs> they're raising their hands, but it's only halfway. I mean, come on, they're giving me half worship. All right, you get a half a check. You know, it's, it's not how that works. God's like, come on, just come hang out with me. Just come be in the room. Now check this out. We can be with God anywhere, right? Well, I, I do church, but I do it in the woods. Right, 
but you begin to miss out on the other relationships that are building on the foundation of that relationship with God. You can't be everything that God's created you to be when you isolate yourself from everyone else around you. And so being in the room, being consistent, showing up, just being present, not even feeling spiritual sometimes can be the biggest moments of growth that you experience in your relationship with God. So how do you remain in Christ? Here's just a couple of things. These aren't doing, so we're not trying to contradict ourselves. But you remain in Christ just with consistency. Consistent time in prayer. Consistent time uh, to just talking to God. I think it's, I think uh, um, sometimes leaders and pastors, we, we assume that everybody knows how to do everything. Uh, but praying, praying is so simple. Just talk. Just like this. Just talk like this to God. Tell him about your day. Tell him about what you're going through. And give him a moment to talk back. You're not crazy. <laughs> and you may not hear an audible voice, but just give, you know, just give God a moment where you're in just you and him and you're just silent. He may speak to your heart, he may speak to your mind, he may, he may show you something in scripture that you've never noticed before. But just be consistent in that space with the Lord and in daily prayer and time in the word, allowing the, the more things that we do to connect with God, the more opportunities it's giving him to speak to us. Consistent quality time in worship. Worship isn't just music, although that's a big part of it because we're, we're singing and declaring the things of the Lord. But worship is also, in just the, again, the, the time that we give to God in our life. What has our heart is the thing that we worship the most. God wants that. And you know, the last thing that you can do, just, and I'm sure there's many more that you can think of, but just by inviting Christ with you in all that you do and everywhere that you go which by the way, might change some of what you do and where you go. <laughs> That's not necessarily a bad thing, but just inviting Christ into the car with you, into the office with you, into that time when you're by yourself. Man, he's so faithful. You don't have to earn his attention. He's literally waiting for you to just invite him in with you where you are. Come on church, we wanna be about that life we wanna learn what it means to truly follow Jesus. And I'm hoping today that through what we talked about, for many of you, it's gonna take a lot of pressure off of your shoulders because you've been striving and striving and striving and you're exhausted trying to prove your worth to God. And he's just trying to let you know, you don't need to do any of that. You don't need to do that. You just need to just show up. Just abide in me, remain in me. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.